You're listening to the awesome Podcast Network. This is 80s Revisited. I'm your producer, Jesse Sedgley. And now, your host, Trey Harris. One thing that will never start over is this podcast. We've done 120 something episodes. This is 120 something. Nice. Nice. And this episode, we will be talking about what I will consider my favorite 10 films of 1981, much like we did a few months ago for 1980, the year of my birth, the year I blessed this planet with my presence, mm-hmm. and forever changed the lives of every man, woman, and child, and imaginary creature on it. But of course, I should need to stop being modest and say that my name is Trey Harris. And with me, as always, fact checker, Autumn Blank Harris. I'm here. And, of course, as always, our producer and historian, musical historian, Jesse Sedgley. Yes, I am. And like we did before, Jesse, DJ Jesse Sedgley, or Jesse Wolfman Sedgley. Wiki, wiki. We'll be playing the top Billboard hits of the year 1981 as we talk about the films that made a difference in everybody and mainly my life, because that's what this episode's about. Can I just say I've never heard this song and don't like it? <laughs> that's that's fine, you're entitled. But this song's very significant in John Lennon's life, because this was when like he was kind of getting, literally getting his life back on track from, like he reached out to his ex-wife and his uh, and Julian to become, like, be a father figure again mm-hmm. in his life, because he kind of pretty much didn't give a shit about him for the longest time, uh-huh. which is why Yoko's always about uh, Sean instead of even though Julian's like his first and oldest and looks just like him. Yeah. But anyway, had you been driving to the theater, going to see a movie on January 14th, this probably would have came on the radio throughout the course of the evening. Yeah. And you would have been going to see the Terry Gilliam classic, in my opinion, Time Bandits. Mm. My 10th favorite film of 1981. Of course, uh, usually a lot of people our age tend to have tend to like this movie. It's for its fantastical elements and it's very... It's got that Gilliam aspect, of course, so it's kind of dark and somewhat creepy. Never seen it. Really? Don't know Hmm. what it is. Let me pencil that in for the future. (laughs) The whole movie is on YouTube. Oh, Oh, good. Oh, and a decent quality, too. So there you go. If you haven't seen Time Bandits and want to check it out again, right there on YouTube. I'd say it's better than Munchausen. It has that effect that they lay over it so no one takes it down. Oh, really? I never heard about that. Yeah, like if you look at the very beginning of the film, see see that white effect. Yeah, yeah, that's over the whole thing, and that stops it from coming down because it can't like identify that it's copyrighted yeah. or something. Or well, because the thing that looks up the visuals sees, you know, it's not an exact match to the film. Ah, interesting. So that's your fun fact it. for this episode. Weird. Yeah, but <laughs> it's still very watchable. Yeah, I mean, it's but not it's like throughout a... the whole film that's there. Yeah, it's not that bad. See, if I didn't know what that was, I'd be like, oh, they ripped this from like a VHS tape that's been watched over and over and over and over, and over again. Just wore hmm. out in the middle. Yeah. But anyway, number 10, Stretch. Time Bandits. 
Yep. And it's only uphill from here. But anyway, <laughs> uh, the next day, DJ Jesse, we June twelfth, nineteen eighty one. A cool summer 12. night, unless you're in South Southern Louisiana. Oh, one of my favorites, Kim Carnes, Betty Davis Eyes. In fact, I just heard this recently, walking into the mall with my wife, and she told me to stop it when I started singing along with it's it. True, I did. I only know the song because Art Bell uses it to close his uh, or during his uh, bump uses it for his bumper music. He used to use it on Coast to Coast and on his current shows. So that's where I always heard the song. I was like, that's not a bad song. I'm pretty sure this was her only hit. But anyway, you would have been going to the theater to see Clash of the Titans. The original, not the reboot. I have seen that. Mm-hmm. And we have that's one we have not done on the podcast yet. Maybe hmm. we should. We should. We'll get to it. We got some big stuff coming okay. in the pipe. But it will, it will happen for it is... A classic. Laurence Olivier, Harry Hamlin, Robotic Owl. Yeah. Robotic Owl, especially. I do it's, like yeah. Robotic Owl. <laughs> and of course, amazing effects by Ray Harryhausen. Of course, for the time. <sighs> I like that one a lot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I was talking about the song. Okay. No, but, no just kidding. Anyway, uh, next October 30th, 1981, kind of gives you kind of a hint of what type of movie it might have been. And <laughs> Some weird song by Christopher Cross. You don't know this? Nope. No. Arthur's, Arthur's theme. theme yeah. The best that you can do. From the movie. Oh, from the movie Arthur. Yeah. Is that Jubilee? Yes, it's Jubilee. <laughs> She's Lady an Arthur. A yellow raincoat. I've never seen this movie. I've only seen the uh, what? the uh, reboot with what's his name, Russell Brand. Really? Liza. Oh, I have heard this song. Dudley Moore and Liza Minnelli. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How drunk something, were they Something makes me glad movie. that I haven't seen this. <laughs> oh, wow. But anyway. Yeah, nope. That song makes me want to kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so down. But hopefully you wouldn't kill yourself because you'd be going to watch other people be mercilessly slaughtered yeah. by Michael Myers in his second big screen outing, outing with Halloween mm. 2. So, the only really, truly decent sequel in that franchise definitely <laughs> I would say which we did cover part two on during our Halloween coverage I think year before last or was it I think it was I know we did it sometime it's, yeah. always, it's been so on the long ago yeah. I know because we've been Pays doing it 120 that. something episodes I don't even remember what we've done that's actually true so I'll have to go back just to make sure <laughs> wait okay yeah we haven't done this just to make I don't want to come up oh we're doing this and then wait halfway through we realize we did this one before because <laughs> that would be awkward that would be weird be but like, knowing us we just put it up we anyway. revisited it again <laughs> we just put a little disclaimer at the front revisited revisited yeah it would be like you know easy fix totally. halloween revisited <laughs> simplest thing in the world hey guys taking a quick break from the podcast ask you to please 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 shoot on over to itunes leave us a review let us know how we're doing we love to hear feedback because hey let's face it like the 80s we're not perfect also head on over <laughs> to <laughs> <laughs> so we screwed up this ad. Damn! Now I get got to get back to the show. This is thirty second ad. We only got eight seconds left. Oh shit! We're still, oh, I thought you expected you do your okay, magical Amazon, editing thing. iTunes and Stitcher reviews. Go get them. Thank you. Uh, the next one, August twenty first, nineteen eighty one. August, and this 21st. would also be in the same genre as Halloween uh, oh, two. Although he doesn't know this one. A critically, <laughs> critically acclaimed movie 
not just for its story, but also for its groundbreaking effects. And there was a love story in this film. Oh, God. And had the protagonist not died, it would, in fact, have been endless. It's the classic American Werewolf in London. Wow. Why'd you roll your eyes, Autumn? Have you seen that movie? I think so. You think so? Not the one, an American Werewolf in Paris. This I know, is an American I've seen Werewolf in London. I think I've seen at least parts of London. The, if you would, I know my mom liked it. You know if you've seen it because it's the one with like the most badass, brutal werewolf transformation ever put on film. Where the dude's pretty much naked and his bones are breaking and reforming and pretty rough. Remember <laughs> as a kid I was like, oh my god, this is so scary. Yeah, I can't say for sure. I know my mom's seen it. <laughs> but it's definitely, it's one of the best horror movies of the 80s, to know, be perfectly honest. This is the time span when my mother was watching a lot of movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, mean, I, didn't I didn't obviously didn't see this in 1981. <laughs> right. Well, half of you existed. Nope. Yeah, she was carrying your eggs. Your, oh, excuse me, you as an egg. Yeah. <laughs> Not your eggs. <laughs> holding your eggs for you. I mean, technically, if you go really deep. Yeah, like really <laughs> deep into the the gray matter of it all. Stop yeah. Going the deep eggs into within my mom. the eggs. eggs. You know. And there's I, eggs within that. I mean, technically, yeah. I mean, you can just go into forever. Yeah. Actually. You know. Like, that's that's like immortality. <laughs> that's how it works, right? Yeah. I mean, you're born with all the eggs you're ever gonna have. Biology. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. As told by uneducated men, it's <laughs> fabulous. I'm sorry. That's what my health instructor said. All right. Uh-huh. So you're not born with all your eggs? Yes. Okay. Then what we said makes perfect logical yeah. sense. No. <laughs> they may be really that small. That one thing doesn't lead to the <laughs> others. It kind of does. No. <laughs> you really put your no. mind to it. It's true. Can we not hypothesize? No. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. Save that discussion for an episode when she's not right. here. <laughs> Biology we go, and we go really deep into Stop the into the wormhole. Going deep. Deep. <laughs> Balls deep. No, anyway. No. Oh, yeah, yeah, I stopped talking. I'm stopping. <laughs> April 10th, Jesse. But April of course, 10th. of course, uh, the, the song, if you don't know what it is, Endless Love, parodied numerous times, most notably on, uh, I believe it was, was it Happy Gilmore? Yes. With the ice rink? Yeah. Oh, Blondie, Rapture. You'd be... Be getting down to the sounds of Blondie on your way to see the medieval classic covered on this podcast, Excalibre, mm. which released on, like I mentioned, April 10th, 1981. Still, in my opinion, the best film version of the Arthurian legend. Who's in that? Uh, that's the one with uh, Helen Mirren, young Helen Mirren and uh, Liam Neeson, Patrick Stewart. Uh, I forget the main guy's name. But yeah, like the main char- main main characters are... I haven't done like too too much, but the, had a really big and more famous now than then supporting mm. cast. Uh, Nicole Williamson was in it. Uh, he was uh, Merlin in that, but he's, he's been in a lot of stuff. But he was uh, Cogliostro in the Spawn movie in the '90s. Again, playing basically the same character as Merlin for the most part in that uh, in that film. I don't know hmm. if I've seen this. You had to. We watched it for the podcast, or at least I watched it, and you were watching it with me. But you probably fell asleep. Probably. <laughs> but like, just go back and listen to the episode if you want the full story on it, of course. But I loved it. A, it uses Carmine Burana over and over again for the main kind of theme of the movie. And it's dark. Dark and fantasy and brutal and bloody. Everything the Arthurian legend should be. So it gets an A-plus in my book and whatever I rated it on that episode. <laughs> uh, number five. Halfway there already. Wow. Going back to October. October 15th. This, this, this list is pretty horror-heavy. 
Oh man, we gotta put back on that song. Oh wait, no, no you don't. No, you don't. Oh. You don't have to. You don't want. To. Okay. Don't. What's, the, what's the movie? <laughs> the movie is the original, the very first Evil Dead, huh. released. Uh, if I get my date straight, October fifteenth, nineteen eighty-one, and of course, definitely the f- intro and first appearance of Ashley Williams, aka just Ash. And, of course, introduce the world to the, one of the greatest B-movie actors, if not the greatest B-movie actor of all time, Bruce Amin J. Campbell. Mm-hmm. I think Ashley for a boy is super cute. Mm-hmm. My mom felt that, too, because I'm going with the wind. Yeah. There's a dude in it named Ashley. So she was like, that's such a cute name. It is. I think so now can... because of Evil Dead and knowing that I can call my son Ash. Yeah, Ash specifically you know, is That's really a cute. shortened version of it. Right. You know, it's mm. awesome. You know, that's awesome. I used to work with a guy named Ashley. That's that's great. Did he have one arm? I mean, one hand? No. Did he work in housewares? No. Did he save you from the terrors of the deadites? Probably. But anyway, Evil Dead started a revolution. Because, of course, Evil Dead 2 and the movie that everybody has seen, Army Darkness. Right. And, of course, the recent reboot of Evil Dead, which wasn't terrible. But uh, the most, the greatest thing this series, to happen to the series in a long time, will be the forthcoming series by stars, Ash versus the Evil Dead. I think coming out... It'll be the best? Yeah. I think I mean, it'll be the best thing since Army of Darkness. Oh, okay. <laughs> I guess I don't know how I worded that. I just was excited <laughs> getting to mention the fact that that show's coming out in, like, weeks. And if you haven't seen the trailer, it looks pretty freaking awesome. Oh, and I haven't it main- seen it. And it maintains the spirit of Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness with the, the humor aspect, but then also over-the-top ridiculous amounts of gore and demons like trying to sell your soul. Stop motion and skeletons. It's it's kind of like imagine the reboot, but with Bruce Campbell. Uh, you know his his level of entertainment added to that horrible situation. I and never you saw get, the reboot. It really, it's not bad. It, it, it's not great, but it's it could have been a lot worse. Mm. But it was pretty. They really kind of promoted, or they really kind of tried to sell it on just over the top gore. Right. Like the chick licking the razor blade. I think they actually had that in the trailer, maybe. Mm. But just kind of stuff like wincing type of uh, shit like that happening. And mm. then, number four, December 24th, Christmas Eve. Mm. Movie Claws went to theaters around the world, in the United States at least, and gave us none other than a sequel to a film. One that was recently covered on this podcast. Wow, that was really... (laughs) Just looked like a naked dude. (laughs) Olivia Newton-John was getting physical on the radio, which was good because I was getting you in shape because you would have to compete and survive in the wasteland with Mad Max, the Road Warrior. Nice. Number four. What? Now, okay. 81 was like a... It was a pretty big year as far as like a lot of uh, franchise-type pictures or films that became franchises. That's sort of like Road Warrior number four. That movie's fucking awesome. You're right. That means there's three other ones that are even mm. as good or better. And number three, in my opinion, and this one's more nostalgia than anything, because it's, but it's still a great movie, and it released on June 19th, which will probably be the same one as Clash of the Titans, if I had yep. to guess, Betty which Davis was Betty Davis' eyes. Oh, just do June 20th instead. <laughs> Fine. Medley. Or, you can, even, or even better, Jesse, you could do the theme for this movie, because the movie is Superman 2. Now, of course, on this podcast, back when Daniel was on, we discussed uh, Superman 2, but we also compared and contrasted the Donner cut and the theatrical cut. The Donner cut's far, by far more superior than the uh, theatrical cut, but nevertheless, a great sequel to one of the original 
greatest superhero film ever made Mm -hmm. until a few years later, of course, several years later, 89 with Batman. Uh, Number two, John Carpenter, 1981, the day July 10th. July 10th. Betty Davis eyes again. We could have just kept that playing the whole time. (laughs) The whole time. I'm sure Autumn would have loved it. You don't have to play it again. Yeah. Why why not? It's a good song. That's kind of what we're doing. Autumn's got Betty Davis eyes. She hates it when I sing that. I can see it in her face. What movie? What movie are you talking about? John Carpenter, uh-huh. 1981. Any guesses? Ah, uh, no. <laughs> Didn't think so. Uh, Escape from New York. Okay. His first collaboration with Kurt Russell. Yeah. Which uh, in case we actually did that one. Did cover that one on the podcast, as well as their other collaborations in The Thing and Big Trouble in Little China. But always to reiterate, if you have the chance to watch those on DVD or Blu-ray, I'm not sure if the Blu-rays have them or not. I'm pretty sure the Blu-ray does for The Thing at least, but. Kurt Russell and Sean Carpenter do commentary tracks, and it's like two old friends in a in a bar talking about everything, all different sorts of stuff regarding the production and everything behind the scenes and all that. And their commentaries are among the best out there. They're not like Arnold Schwarzenegger's commentaries, mm. which you would think would be awesome, but instead he's narrating the whole movie. Yeah. <laughs> this is the part where I'm going to shoot the guy. That, oh, I shot him in the face. Oh, and coming up, I'm going to escape the planet. And like, if you not that you should watch a commentary before you see a movie, yeah. but. Right. He literally narrates the movie. Exactly what you're seeing. Yeah. yeah. I, I jumped out the window right here. And yep, there I go. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I would put Kurt, any Kurt Russell and John Carpenter commentary up there among the best next to, especially like uh, when they actually do them, Trey Parker and Matt Stone. Yeah, they always uh, cut them short. <laughs> yeah. They say what they need to say and get out, but they're always super entertaining and fun. But the ones on Cannibal are pretty entertaining. They go all the way through. Yeah. And then they the one- put... Like three different commentary tracks on there. Was that the one where they were drinking? Yeah, while they were watching. Yeah, that one's really good. That one, and then the second one is like the crew in there, and then the third one's just a bunch of random people, like Weird Al's in there, and a bunch of other people. <laughs> so I think you mentioned that before, and I never went to like try to watch that or find yeah. a copy of it just for the Weird Al version. All right, moment of truth, 1981, the best film of the year, also the highest grossing film of the year. What date? June twelfth. Sorry, Jesse. Oh, well, it's we could still, just stay just right here. Just let it play. Oh, God. <laughs> just let it play. Summer was a big <laughs> thing for this person. Yeah, it was a big hit. Still don't know what that means, but nope. It's an eighties thing, I guess. Can you just this look a... up a picture of Betty Davis? I want to see what her eyes look like. Sure. Do you know what Betty Davis looks like? Very kind of resting. Probably the originator of resting bitch face. No, that's Joan Crawford. I don't know. All right. Betty Davis has googly eyes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Now we know. Okay. If you want to see what her eyes look like, just Google. Cookie Monster has Betty Davis (laughs) eyes. I want to see that version. Cookie. (laughs) She sings it and then it's cut with scenes of Cookie Monster. She has like sticky outy. um, John Cusack's sister. Has Betty Davis eyes. I mean, some of the pictures, they look, they're look they very pretty. What's her name? Joan. Joan, Joan Cusack. How could you not remember Has Betty Davis eyes. That's, uh, Steve Buscemi has Betty Davis <laughs> eyes, according to, according to Google. Yes. <laughs> so, I don't, is it a good thing or a bad thing? You decide. Let us know what age you're I'm going to go with bad. At gmail.com. No, I mean, there are a couple of flattering like pictures of Betty Davis where like, saying her eyes are very... I'm not saying she's ugly. I didn't she say that. Bul- I'm talking like, about her eyes. bulgy, outy, googly eyes. Exactly. I'm talking about her eyes, but you didn't let me finish. Like, I mean, she doesn't have like. Uh, I guess, I guess for the time, her eyes were just very unique, and maybe a lot of other people didn't have such striking <laughs> googly eyes. eyes. 
Basically, that might have been a thing back then. Yeah, but the originator... She was a huge star. The originator of Resting Bitch Face was Joan Crawford. I don't know. I've heard stories. Watch this woman's face. I've I, seen, I know what John, who Joan Crawford is. I know what she looks see? like. She was the Mommy Dearest woman, wasn't she? Yes. Yeah, she's crazy. She's no wire hangers! Bitch. Or was it wooden hangers? One of those. Wire. Never mm. seen it. Just bitch. seen that scene on YouTube. <laughs> Let's so see the first celebrity. Oh, Vivian Lee's the first one. Uh, with Elizabeth Taylor. Yeah. I definitely yeah. give it to Vivian Lee. <laughs> and the Queen and Kanye. Uh, oh, and uh, Christina Win- Ritchie. Wednesday. Yeah. yeah. Wednesday Adams. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, Kanye. the number, my, I think universally everybody listening who's a fan of 80s films, as such as we are, would probably agree that this was, in fact, the best film of the year. Number one, the first appearance, the first film starring one of the greatest characters of all time. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Easy. Right. Yep. Because when I first was like looking at the list, I was just like, that's, well, that's mm-hmm. number one. Clearly. Like there's nothing, there's, uh, I, couldn't th- I couldn't even think of anything else because I knew Empire didn't come out one. As to what could even be compared to or be as awesome as Raiders of the Lost Ark. And nothing on this list. Lots of great films, but hey, you're competing against one of the greatest action movies of all time and yeah. one of the greatest characters of all time before Spielberg, you know, sucked as well. It totally holds up. Oh, definitely. It's so much better than The Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Yeah, that was stupid. <laughs> like, I just don't see, how do you go backwards? That? No. I've, <laughs> I've seen that movie one time in the theater, opening night at midnight. And that was it. And I've never watched it again. I have the set. I have the box set. Oh, wow. So you, know, you the, could the, revisit the, it. Yeah, I mean, if I got drunk enough and somebody tricked me and tied me to the couch and put it on, and gag me and like, held my eyes open. Like, I'd I wasn't even mad. I was just disappointed. <laughs> it was... Uh, here, here, I think I told the story. But anyway, we're, it was the, we went to Jacksonville the night before my good friend Perry was the, he was the, going on his first, I think, deployment overseas. Probably not his first, but yeah. He I was think it was his deployment. first. But uh, anyway, but he was so excited that he was going to get to see this movie the night before he had to deploy because he didn't want to wait three months mm-hmm. to see it. And, you know, his best one of his best friends coming down, you know, visit him before he goes... So we all go to the midnight showing. The theater was hot as hell, first of all. And it's midnight. So, I mean, people are like, she's leaning on my shoulder. And it's like, you know, you're sticky. So it's that nasty sweat. Right. Like I imagine how they fe- felt when they're uh, making Predator. Just like sticky and like gross. And, you know, that wasn't, you know, had the movie been good, that wouldn't have mattered. But it was just like, it was just like, you know, that old adage of watching a car crash in just slow motion. At first, it's like, okay, that's not too bad. That, that's not. Oh dear God! Oh my God! And I took a nap. Swinging on vines. And by the end, I, I just remember his face walking out, like, because we, of course, we saw episode one together too, and it was just like, you know, eh, it wasn't bad. Episode one talking, but this one—it's the first time I've ever seen him just openly, like, flat out. He knew because uh, he'll try to not justify stuff, but he'll try to see like the good points of something first, and like we all do on some things. But anyway, it was just—he just—he was just shaking his head like. I can't believe I spent my last night as a free man before deploying mm. for Uncle Sam Aliens. in a theater watching this movie. Yep. <laughs> and I had to agree. It makes for a good story, but it was one of the worst experiences of my life <laughs> watching Game of the Crystal Skull. God, just, I mean, and if you, you, the cast that you have in that, not, not one of them says, uh, Steven, George, just... No. South Park summed it up the best where they had him like raping yeah. <laughs> Indiana Jones like a gimp. So, yeah. But that does not tarnish the excellence of 1981's 
Raiders of the Lost Ark, and of course the other two as well. But uh, the worst film, oh, excuse me, honorable, some honorable mentions of the year, notable films that released that we might have covered or, you know, kind of pop culture things. Friday the 13th Part 2 released. Also, Scanners, which, of course, is, most people have probably never seen, but they all, they know the gif, or the gif, excuse me, of the head exploding, and they know that, that the movie involves some sort <laughs> yeah. of head exploding. Uh, Dragon Slayer, another very atmospheric and Don't know what that pretty is. to look at medieval movie. It's not a very good movie, but it's like the visuals are really awesome for the time. Uh, another horror movie, Possession, which has one of the most disturbing scenes I've ever seen where a woman flips out in a subway and it's just really creepy. And the Disney classic, Fox and the Hound, also really? came out in 1981. I really thought that was like a 90s Disney movie. The Fox and the Hound? Yeah. No way. Because the animation, it looks closer to like uh, Tarzan and stuff. Oh, I would not. Uh, 1981. Uh-uh. Weird. That, that has that old style like Jungle Book almost. No. Now that it's, of course, nowhere near as old as the Jungle Book, but it doesn't. I always thought Fox and the Hound had like that kind of, that older look to it. That's obviously, has to be a Blu-ray shot because that's really clean. <laughs> nope. That's but, just what it looks like. Mm-hmm, on Blu-ray. <laughs> and also, uh, the first film in the Howling franchise also came out in 81. 81, definitely a big year for horror uh, as far as like the uh, first uh, appearances to use comic book lingo for a lot of franchises, but also a couple of second rounds for some of the heavy hitters of the decade. Uh, the worst film, definitely, no, comp- no competition when I saw it, Condor Man. <laughs> the worst film of 1981. Wow. Uh, and also, funny, we mentioned Joan Crawford, Mommy Dearest, also came out in it 1981. It is a 5.7. I don't get that. I would Point. rather watch Yahoo Serious <laughs> than Condor Man again. Wow. Just don't get it. I, I don't know. Who's writing these movies? <laughs> but anyway. Condor Man. Uh, the best, uh, the Academy Award for 1981, Best Picture, went to Chariots of Fire. Best Director, Warren Beatty for Reds. Best Actor and Best Actress went to... The, uh, both went to the same film, I should say, on Golden Pond. Henry Fonda and Catherine Hepburn took home Oscars that year, hmm. 1981. And I'm sure most of the younger people listening to this podcast have no clue who those people are. Yeah. But anyway, no, I'm not, hey, I'm not talking bad about you youngins. Just hmm. saying. You probably don't know. Look them up. Classic actors. Uh, Jane's dad. And the other, what's her brother's name? Peter? Peter's dad. Yeah. Uh, highest grossing films, as we mentioned before, number one, Raiders of the Lost Ark, two hundred and twelve million. Second was uh, the aforementioned On Golden Pond. Surprisingly, with all those movies we mentioned earlier, it. Uh, but a, a huge difference between two hundred and twelve million for Raiders. On Golden Pond made one hundred and nineteen. So uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark made over nearly a hundred million more than the second place film of the year. Number three, Superman two at one hundred eight. Arthur, as we uh, just mentioned before, that song theme from Arthur, uh, 95 million. The Bill Murray classic Stripes, number five, 85 million. Cannonball Run, uh, 72. Chariots of Fire, which won Best Picture, only made 58 million at the box office, making it number seven. Uh, the James Bond film of the year, For Your Eyes Only, was 54. The Four Seasons, which I've never heard of, was 50. And strangely enough, my 10 favorite, 10 tenth most favorite film of the year was also the tenth highest grossing film of the year. Being Time Bandits at forty-two million, which is odd too, because usually Gilliam's films don't make, like, never get on a top ten list, like as far time. as uh, ranking. But I mean, again, Escape from New York came out the year. Road Warrior, Excal. You know, there were some there were some big hitters, which I'm honestly surprised didn't make as much as Time Bandits. But I guess that goes also to show how uh, uh, how like you were saying that time, you know, his films were big deals. Mm-hmm. You know, Munchausen and all that, very visual. Always uh, excite uh, something pleasing to the eye, so to speak. 
stark comparison to these days where Gilling comes out with a film and nobody cares. Yeah. But he's I mean, still a very visual, visually amazing filmmaker. In fact, I would say probably the film that most people know him for these days is probably 12 Monkeys. Yeah. I if you even knew that he did that one. 57 million. What? 12, 12 Monkeys. 12 Monkeys. But yeah. it's more of a cult hit, I yeah. think. I mean, yeah, it's that Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Oh, yeah, I forgot he did that one. But you definitely tell. And then that's where it stopped, I think. There was a huge seven-year gap. And oh, then yeah. the Brothers Grimm. Which I liked. I thought it was good. But I don't think it made a yeah, wave probably, or anything. I don't think it did either. <laughs> it actually probably made more after Heath Ledger died. Because people might want to see the film, his other works. I think that's why Imaginarium got so much press. Is because that was oh, definitely, last time you see Heath sucked. Ledger. Yeah. Uh, in my opinion, Tideland was fucked up. Uh, I think you you watched that one with me. Maybe it's the one where Jeff Bridges like dies in the first ten minutes, and the daughter spoiler like his I body really just sits there for the whole know. film. It's really weird, but yeah, that's it for 1981. Send your favorites or, you know, hor- or any om- omissions that I was completely erroneous in leaving out to 80sVisit at gmail dot com, and just I let know. us know. Let me know because I mean this isn't on these. This isn't on my beautiful wife and lovely producer. This is all on me. So if I fucked up, let me know. Call me out. I don't care. We'll debate it live, right here. But anyway, I can see my wife's disinterested, so it's time to go home. But anyway, everybody, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Next week, we're going to kick this podcast into overdrive. You could even say maximum overdrive. No one would say that. I would, because it's the 80s. Somebody said it, damn it. (laughs) Exactly. But anyway, everybody, thanks for listening again. I'm, oh wait, no. Forgot the wrap up. Excuse me. Check us out. Send us emails as the aforementioned 80sRevisitedGmail.com. I said aforementioned. That was the word of the podcast. I've said it like five times. Uh, also, Azer, uh, I'm sorry, awesomepods.com, awesomepods at Twitter, awesomepods on Facebook, all the other shows on the Awesome Podcast Network, and always a shout out to our friends in Lafayette, James and John's with Nalver, James and John. I'm sure there's some Johns out there too. Yeah. Uh, in that, you know, street lingo. But with Nalver's nostalgia, always give our good friends out there a listen. It's getting always cold a good soon. time. Still got your jacket. Yeah, you're going to need it, John. We got <laughs> to get that to you somehow, my friend. But anyway, we'll see you next week. Uh, come join us as we visit with Emilio and Commissioner Gordon. Leave a review on iTunes. Yep, that would be awesome. Let us know what we're doing right or wrong. We love constructive criticism. We won't hunt you down and brutally murder you if you leave a bad review, I promise. But anyway, see you next time, everybody. I am Trey Harris. I'm his wife. Jesse Sedgley. Cowabunga! more on facebook.com slash awesome pods and follow us on twitter at awesome pods i think i need to stop saying calbunga because Wait. mr donald said that in batman and robin oh, he did. so yeah he did <laughs>